cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Kyle Flasher final live from a very quiet part. Oh no, campus. <laughs> Either everyone hates me within the general vicinity or they have their headphones in. I think there's also a tour going on somewhere over there. And Joe, like you said, in the first attempt, we tried to do this, even though this multi-billion dollar university apparently doesn't have <laughs> incredible Wi-Fi throughout the campus. Uh, this is very, very on brand. Oh man, this is great. This totally reminds me of a conversation we were having in uh, pregame. I was, we were talking with uh, Mike Connie and Jason Longshore, who of course do the bro- the radio broadcast for 92.9 The Game, um, company man. And uh, he he was talking about the, the broadcasting setup in one of the stadiums. I can't remember which one it was, but he said that he hated it. This is Connie said he hated it because the, it, there was just no barrier between where the they're, they were broadcasting and the section in front of them where the players sat, the, like the players that weren't in the match day squad sat. So they're literally like three feet in front of Connie. And, you know, Conti's, uh, you know, his style is to, uh, you know, go crazy. So uh, he was like, yeah, it was uh, quite embarrassing. Anyway, this just kind of, kind of reminds me of that. But yeah, the game was good. Campiona's Cup. Woo, trophy. Yes. Yeah, that's just as on brand as anything. Uh, this show is on brand, and Atlanta United is on brand winning trophies. This is good. This is positive. Uh, and Joe, I think you were saying in the first edition of this, this show uh, that it was very open and attacking, and that was fun. That was real fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of noted, and I was definitely not alone in this, that, you know, it's just so refreshing to watch another team come into Mercedes-Benz Stadium and try to come out and attack and, you know, win the game on the front foot. It just makes for just such a more exciting game um, in general for both teams. And you don't know who's going to win. You, you know, Atlanta United might have a better chance of losing it, but it's going to be more fun to watch them lose if they do. Um, and yesterday they didn't, which was great. Um, you know, it was kind of funny because, you know, there was all this debate about whether it was going to feel more like a final or more like a friendly. And I think in the, what we ended up getting was kind of like the perfect blend of both because, it, I would say it was not like a final because so oftentimes in finals you see it's like so much cagier and tactical and defensive, um, you know, that you don't see the kind of open play that we saw last night. And I think that that's where kind of the blend of the friendly came in. You know, it wasn't like a trophy that either team were going to, you know, can, you know, overly care whether they won or lost. They were only going to care if they won, essentially. And so you just saw two teams that went after it. And now it's like Atlanta United is like the trendsetters of MLS and like, who even cares about LAFC at this point? Yeah, it's all us. It's all us. <laughs> uh, I hope y'all can bear with me through my NPR voice that I'm using to uh, kind of be quiet while I'm doing this. You should um, be fine. I'm also going to go ahead and rebrand this as ATL Things Considered to be very NPR today. This is good. This is good. <laughs> Fortunately, the atmosphere last night was very not NPR. It was really loud. It was really goddamn loud. And I think, I think kind of that you mentioned this as well, that... Uh, the joint crowd, the Club America folks coming in and, and obviously having an incredible show. And there was a ton of yellow throughout the stadium kind of forced the Atlanta fans to get up for this game and that forced the teams to get up for this game. And it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen, honestly, with yeah. everyone kind of going into this. Like I've said this a couple of times elsewhere, but you had 
a game that probably three hours before you were going, wait, what the hell is this called? I can't even remember the name of this. <laughs> and by the fifth minute, you were like, if we don't win this, I might die. I might die. Yeah. Like that was incredible. Just because it became so important because there was a competitiveness to it. There was an energy to it. There was an openness to it. And all of a sudden you, you really didn't like the team in the other colors. Well, I think awesome. that, yeah, there was like the perfect confluence of events happened where you had a stadium that was largely full of Club America supporters. And, you know, it, the, the actual numbers were probably more like 50 50 or so. But in terms of the noise that was being created, it was it, it, well, I don't know. I guess it's harder for me to tell because the Club America port- supporters were mostly right by the press box where we were sitting, but um, it just seemed like they were loud. And I think that it, but it made Atlanta United fans louder too. And so it just created this really good atmosphere. And then I think also what really set this match off was Emerson and Heinemann's first goal, like for, for mm-hmm. Atlanta to score in that situation, when you feel like, you know, it's a little more hostile territory with other fans in your stadium. And then you get that big goal that you probably weren't expecting, especially from, you know, that player that early in the game, you know, I just think it was like the perfect thing that could have happened to like let that game kind of explode from there no they didn't blink they didn't blink and they had a, a lineup that was not necessarily full strength right these were a lot of the somewhat backup guys kind of coming in and having that energy and intensity that, that sometimes honestly the first 11 has lacked and i'm not sure we get that same kind of energy if it's not guys who are fighting for spots a little more you yeah. know if, if yeah. they come out this one um, of course, Heinemann scores the goal. Dion Pereira has that incredible flick to set him up in the first place. I think Petey was involved with that one as well. And Petey had another very good game. Let's go and say that right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. His energy and his defensive work rate. Um, anytime he gets that going, anytime you see him make a tackle that leads to a chance that he can just take off on, which he did a couple times last night, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to get good PT. Yeah. And when we get good PT, we get good Atlanta United. Yeah. I, I've seen some complaints about his final ball in the game, which was, you know, not always on. But to me, what I want to see more from him is just like for well, a lot of it is kind of the players are you could definitely sense that like a lot of the other players were re- reacting better to him when the ball came to him. They kind of knew the places to move into the spaces to move into to try to get the ball from him the way he was going to try to move the ball, pass it on to them. I thought that was really good. But I think also like you just want to see. Like if he brings that kind of energy and that kind of, you know, work rate to the game, then the other stuff, like I'm not worried about the technicals like side of it. That's going to ha- that's going to come in some games, you know, things won't come off as often. But just in general, he's always going to you know bring that as part of his game. So if you kind of get that, you know, that effort out of him, that work rate, um, he's just like, you know, that much better of a player. There was something yeah, else I, I was going to say, too, and I can't now I can't uh, remember what it was. Um, I will say that this is just another, well, here, let's let's make this point first. Uh, the players also seemed really excited about it, which I think is huge, right? If this game's going to grow, the yeah. players have to be into it and everything. And, and like I said, it was all one thing, just kind of snowballing on top of each other. And it seemed like a really legitimate thing to be to with next trophy. Everyone seemed very excited. There were all the players that posted on Instagram and Twitter and everything after that, like, we did it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. And it, that's still somewhat undefined, but we did it. Uh, the first time an MLS team was really just thumped in a uh, 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 Liga MX team, I think since like 98 or something like that in a final. Uh, it was a, it's been a long hmm. time. It's nice. been a long time. I um, mean, 
I, I think like you see that togetherness because um, everybody feels involved in this and it kind of, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. And this is actually what I was going to say that I forgot. Um, you know, this team is, has real depth. Like it doesn't have the kind of depth that we had under Tata that we, we kind of like, like to talk about more than actually have to resort to, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, he stuck with like a very tried and true team. And then Frank DeBoer, you know, maybe not even by his like necessarily choice, his choice. Uh, but the fact that the squad has endured so many injuries and absences and things, he's had to go to other players in some crazy circumstances. And I think it's kind of brought everybody together. Definitely like everybody really, feels like they're a part of it and then also i think it, like additionally it provides like a competitive nature to the guys in the squad as well and not in like a, in a bad way but you know guys just fighting for spots it's something that lorenowitz uh jeff we talked to him last night and he was like yeah he's like i want to play every game and flo pogba wants to play every game and Dion Pereira wants to play in every game um and to like have those guys that you know kind of have that push and drive about them you know fighting for spots only makes everybody better and it allows you to um, adjust for situations where you know you need to bring in guys to rotate or play a new position. If somebody gets hurt, you ha- you've got players there ready to go. Yeah, did, did Jeff Lennon play last night? By the way, <laughs> Is that a thing man, that yeah, yeah, I felt really bad for you that you weren't for, there for that one. <laughs> well, I was watching on a stream, right? And so when that happens everyone's a little bit ahead of me by a little bit. I mean, yeah. probably like a minute 15. So I saw your tweet about Jeff Lurinowitz is your father <laughs> in all caps. And I wondered, boy, what could that mean? That could mean so many I, things. <laughs> I was, I was on your, on, on edge for a little bit. And then of course the, the world changed irrevocably right there before my very eyes. And it, it, it hurt to not be there in person for it. But you know what? I think the community feel, was still there about that. I think people were still very affected by it. And uh, I wept. I wept a little bit. It was, man, it was like, I felt so happy for him last night for whatever reason. Uh, Well, obviously because of just him getting to play in this game. And it's weird because it's like, you know, you have to kind of remember, like, it's it's not that important. It's the Campiona's Cup, you know, it's whatever. It's, it's, you know. It is what it is, but um, but just for him to score that goal that he did, and then afterwards we talked to uh, we talked to LGP as well. We um, we were standing at the kind of the end of the mix zone, which was like a bad spot to be in because they talk to like everybody else before they get to you. Um, it's like being in the uh, tapas ghetto. If anybody picks up that reference from Portlandia, but um, anyway, uh, <laughs> um, we got to talk to LGP. We had like one question with him, and he just talked about Jeff, and it was just like really sweet to hear like what he had to say, just talking about how he's, you know, as diligent as he is, you know, as competitive as he is. Um, and just like a great teammate always like, seems like they have a pretty good friendship. Um, it was just really kind of, it was cool because, you know, he's at the end of his career and he had this moment like this and he's just, you know, I mean, Sam, you, you've done a very in-depth piece on him. Just, you know, how hard he's worked throughout his career and all these things that he's gone through. So it was kind of cool for him to just have this little, spot in the spotlight and get to lift the trophy yeah no dude dude is a machine um if you want to go back and check that piece out i forget what it's called we'll have to share it again uh, yeah yeah i think i thought it's a really good idea to share that again because it was really kind of a look at him and in college and everything like that and uh you know he's one of those dudes that work hard play hard was a very very real thing for him 
right? Um, it, it's not like he was out there partying every night, but he could do it, you know, get in at three o'clock and then wake up for weights at seven o'clock in the morning, be the first one in the gym and wonder why everyone else was lagging, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he said he struggled with that. He said he struggled with this idea that not everyone could, could keep up. Um, that's kind of that same mentality. He's kind of taken at everything. Um, I think a dirty secret a little bit of last night is that for the majority of the game up until that moment, he looked a little bit outclassed. Um, <laughs> he just looked a little slow. People were getting by him. And of course you, you can get away with that. If your position is good enough, positioning mm -hmm. is good enough to MLS because the people don't have the, the speed or quality, but against a team that is as talented as club America, it was, it was showing a bit uh he would still get in and make tackles and everything like that but positioning was was rough for a lot of the time there uh, well, and a very open game to be fair yeah yeah that's why it was just a crazy yeah it, it actually makes sense um it's harder for me to pick up it's probably easier for you to see that like on on tv it's um mm -hmm. that's interesting to hear but it makes sense because in that game uh there were so many just one-on-one -on -one matchups across the board. Like that's what you could see, you know, when you're up in the press box, you see more of like the bird's eye. It's just like, you just see guys like paired together. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And it's just like, can you like run around and, and win your duel against that, uh, that person. And, you know, it makes <laughs> sense that Lorenowitz might, you know, he's more needs like zonal protection that, you know, like he's not that kind of player to necessarily do that. But um, he actually mm -hmm. talked, I'm not going to go into it, but he talked about some like interesting tactical changes that they, they made at halftime to help kind of deal with the situation. No, uh, cause I guess it was kind of a surprise what club America threw at them. Uh, they went like a four, four, two. Um, but anyway, yeah. Credit to Jeff. Yeah. Got to win those duels. Got to win those duels, the duels. For sure. For sure. Um, speaking of Frank, um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. For now, anyway, we may get into it at the latter part of the show, which everyone can turn off if they really want to. Um, but I will say that for all of the very viable and very important, I think, conversations that we've been having in the United World this week, um, I think there was a chance for uh, that to bleed in a little bit. Uh, I never quite know how much to take stock into this idea that off the field things are really distracting. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but if they are to any extent, that wasn't apparent last night. And it's been that way with this team for a while. You think about the romantic overture stuff uh, and now coming through to this year, which has been so full of distractions in so yeah. many ways. Um, you know, potential distractions, quotation marks. Um, that's not to belittle anything about the conversations or the events that have happened this week. Because again, I think they're very important. But at the same time, you have to give credit to the the players themselves, I think, for, for not letting that weigh on them in any way. And obviously going about their business and getting the job done in an energetic way that, that helped us kind of relax and forget about those things for two hours last night. Yeah, I think that that also kind of played into just the overall feeling of, first of all, like the euphoric kind of feeling that I think everybody had afterwards was just like, man, you've kind of getting punched in the face twice by like this, these couple things that have happened in the in the three days since their last game or whatever it was. <laughs> I and, tweeted after the game. I was like, you just watched the strangest four day period in MLS <laughs> history, maybe, I think. I think you did. Yeah, but... 
but it, you know you didn't expect it you couldn't have expected it to go that way though before the game just because of the way that mm-hmm. the week was going you know you could never th- expect to win that game so i think that yeah kind of that i think all, that all all the context that surrounded the game kind of played into the surprise of the result and yeah the feeling we all had afterwards yeah and the surprise of that jeff lerman's goal which to talk about that for just a moment um if you watch him before that before he ends up with the ball at his feet he has no interest in having the ball at his feet yeah. <laughs> he is literally standing there for a solid 10 seconds just standing there with a guy on him and he has that guy marking him right so i guess the idea is to pull that guy off a little bit whatever he didn't have to do anything he's not there to to really make anything happen the final third but then the ball comes out to him and i'm still stunned he hit it right (laughs) yeah there's no real indication that, that jeff was um going to be in that mindset to just crank one right well and it gets I, and it was perfect i think it was just like self-preservation like he knew he was going to lose the ball unless he did mm-hmm. something like he had he was like compelled to act in some way and there was nobody really to pass it to so i think he just like took a shot and you know and a miracle occurred he, he probably would have been happy if it like went out for a corner or something you know just like something positive came of it because i think it, it was looking like it was about to be like the end of a possession essentially amazing Amazing. It, it's amazing how being creatively stifled like that can lead to amazing things. <laughs> amazing things. Yeah, you you got to love it. Um, let's see. What else from last night? Uh, yeah, what happened? Let's stop with the, the hop, I guess, especially if you're going to make it clunky. Like, oh, I don't really right. like, like penalties are a crapshoot, but you at least got to hit the ball well, right? Yeah. Like, and Joseph did not hit the ball well because he stuttered a little too much. Just just kick the damn ball. Well, just, and that's my thing is like, he kicks it so good when he doesn't yeah. do it. It's not like <laughs> it would be one thing if he kind of sucked anyway, you know, but like he hits bangers into the top corner. Like, you know, the, the one he scored last night, the keeper went the right way uh, mm-hmm. and it still didn't look like he was even close to it. Just was the conviction that was behind the shot. So yeah, I'm totally with you. It kind of sucks because, you know, you want Joseph to kind of be this guy who does like every flamboyant thing possible. But, you know, sometimes you kind of have to use your brain. Only do that when you're like up, like going for your hat trick or something. And the team's definitely going to win. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that's where we can pause on the, the Joseph Hop discussion. Some people are very, very into the Joseph <laughs> Hop discussion, like very into it. Uh, but I, I think the next thing um, I kind of want to say, just in a broader perspective, because I don't think we got to talk after the NYCFC game. Um, just due to all our crazy schedules and everything like that. But I talked after the Houston game and the DC game about this being the most important and toughest stretch of Frank's tenure at the end of this year, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And obviously assumed the worst. um, And and it appeared that that was maybe trending towards that after the LAFC game. Uh, But since then, 3-0 over LA, 2-0 over Orlando, 2-1 over NYCFC and then a win over the Liga MX champions all in the span of, of four games in two weeks here. Uh, that's incredible. That's just absurd. I would, I would have taken, I would have taken a split easy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but to win all four of these games, just remarkable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I, I remember. So even before that LAFC game, the Houston game, um, you know, that was obviously the one where Albert Elise got the early red card. And I remember saying to you, was it to you? It was either to you or Felipe. Yeah, it was to you. I think it was like, 
if they didn't win that game after getting that red card, like then you're seriously thinking about <laughs> not making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About like, yeah, the worst possible situation. That's like kind of where your mind goes if they were not to have succeeded there. Uh, and it was, of course, that was the game where they changed the formation. And then, you know, obviously they did what, you know, they went out and stopped Houston like they should have. And then, but they've continued that, you know, and it's been, yeah, it's kind of like, man, I don't, it has saved Frank DeBoer. Like, not that he was definitely going to get fired or anything like that, but it just totally changed the on-field uh, narrative for, you know, the way the season has gone under him. And right now the on-field narrative is really good. Uh, yeah, it's really good. It looks coherent. Um, you have to give a huge hand to the front office for the depth they've acquired. Because again, these were the, these were the backups for the most part in a lot of spots last night. And they were still excellent. I mean, the, the depth on this team um, is up there with LAFC, maybe better, right? Like just top to bottom. It's so, so good. Yeah. Uh, to, to just be able to throw Florence and Pogba out there, to be able to throw Dion Pereira and Emerson Hyman, uh, to be able to put the best soccer player in humanity and Jeff Lernowitz out there. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, and that's yeah. all credit to these guys they've picked up off the yeah. scrap heap, right? Yep. Like, exactly. For all the other missteps, that has not been one of them. Um, and it's weird. It's We've talked about this before, but the, the misses with the top level signings they're throwing money at versus the the guys at the bottom. And that, that's kind of what you need in MLS, right? To, to last a long season is to hit on those guys at the bottom. And they've done that with every single one of them so far yeah. this year, except Shay. But that's okay. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely kind of like a money ball aspect to it about like you, if you're, if you're going to be a good MLS team, you need to be getting like above, you know, you have to look at like the value you're getting for what you're paying for each squad, you know, because you have a salary cap. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the Atlanta United has had so many guys that have performed kind of above their market value. And then also, you know, I think when you talk about LAFC and kind of like the talent, the talent equal, um, equating the talent between the two teams, both teams are obviously great. Um, but you need to be at the level that these two teams are at. And I would kind of put these two teams at on the same type of level right now is that you need players like Julian Gressel and Darlington Nagby who like aren't designated players but still play like designated players and you know, they're, you know, they can be TAM signings or whatever. Um, but you know, like LAFC, he's got like uh, Atuesta and Mark Anthony K like these type, types of guys who give you like by MLS terms, like a, like elite performance um, by MLS standards versus what they're being paid. That's really what makes the difference between these teams in this league. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I was thinking about that last night as far as like a, a name-by-name talent basis um, if, if this team is up to LAFC standards right now. And I, I'm, I, I'm getting greedy, right? Like I'm thinking ahead to the next time we would see LAFC, which there's only one way that happens, Joe Patrick. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, And it doesn't seem too far-fetched at this point, uh, which is crazy to think about. But right now, you know, you have yeah. to be feeling somewhat decent about I mean, their ability to compete with that. Especially if Atlanta United is able to get the first spot in the East. You know, if they don't have to travel, if they don't, if they get to play the whole playoffs in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, only FC Dallas has beaten them this year there. And obviously, mm-hmm. that was like a total different situation than what is happening right now. So, 
yeah, I mean, you have to feel you have to feel like you got every shot at you know at repeating. To be perfectly honest, I can't even believe Absolutely. I'm saying that. That's God. It's so. Let's go back and listen to like splice together what we said <laughs> a month ago with this. Yeah, I'm sure it's hilarious. Um, not that we were wrong. It's just you know things have have shifted. Yeah. Things have gelled, um, and that's fun to see. It's fun to see, but we you got to sort things out on the road, Atlanta, right now. Uh, three wins, eight losses, no draws on the road. Um, not great. Not great. We'll figure that out if that's gotten any better when they go to a very hot Portland team um, later on on Sunday. Uh, yeah. Five strike after dark, 10 o'clock over there. But that Portland team is is very good. And um, Brian Fernandez keeps scoring every single he, – he, did you see his goal this weekend? He swung and missed and still somehow hit the ball in. Like he accidentally <laughs> scored. He's just having one of those kind of years, right? Yeah. Have you uh, – this is disconcerting, but there is apparently an Antifa rally scheduled in Portland for this weekend. So okay. hopefully they wrap that stuff up uh, on Saturday and uh, Sunday is all good. Interesting. Interesting. Um, it is apparently – relatively close proximity to um, where Atlanta United will be staying. So, Well, it, it may keep them up a little bit, but that, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. There's a larger discussion to be had there. But um, should we get into the larger discussions? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, should we let's, tell, let's do it. Let's, if you just don't want to deal with this, uh, go ahead and, and turn 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 the H dad off. Turn the turn the highly distributed audio discussion off for a second, and uh, we'll, we'll catch y'all after Portland. Uh, for the rest of y'all who are maybe interested in hearing what what two people have to say about these kind of things, um, I will say that I have been trying my best to objectively report on, especially the supporter section incidents that have happened um, in Atlanta. Um, and I feel pretty okay about the job I've done there, right? Yeah, um, no, you've been great. Your your story was great. So yeah, to, just to give it a little bit of background, um, God, it, it is a complicated thing. You know what? Go to Dirty Saw Soccer and look up the the protest story. Um, but know that uh, there is a policy in place by MLS to outlaw political signage, right? And as Vague as you think that sounds right now, it's just as vague to everyone else. No one quite understands what it is, why it is, and what that really what qualifies. Yeah. Exactly, right? For example, a statement that says in gun violence, right? Maybe not necessarily political in nature to think that not shooting somebody <laughs> is, is a, a stance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly what Alejandro Bedoya said uh, on, into the microphone. Uh, the other day, uh, the Philadelphia DC game, right? And he was and he was applauded, you know, applauded basically, for it, right? Both uh, by but, yeah. both by players and coaches around the league and the league itself. I mean, mm-hmm. they put out a statement. I think like it was it was like in support of him, right? And he won Player of the Week. And I mean, I know he scored a goal. I don't know how well. I don't. I don't know if that was why, but you know. And it, was, it, was it was a big I, week. I saw people's voting things, and they would list it on Twitter and let us know exactly why. Okay. You know? uh, not that he didn't have a good game, but there was obviously a reason behind that. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think ending gun violence is something that pretty much anyone can get behind. It is right. not a bold statement. 
It is not a, a controversial thing to say that you don't want people to be shot. Um, and so that's where the line becomes gray when you have things like in gun violence banners being taken away as political statements, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have MLS making an equation between um, anti-fascist groups and people like the Proud Boys who are very white nationalist, who are very um, right wing, right? And they were very non-inclusive. Um, when MLS makes a statement that says symbols like that of the Iron Front, which in its, its base context is a anti-fascist paramilitary organization that started in World War II to fight the Nazis, right? That is the symbol's main context is that it is anti-Nazi, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of the, the furor around this um, is that MLS has made that equivalency between that logo and that of something like the Proud Boys. Even mentioned it in the same breath. And Seattle actually had to apologize for this equivalency, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so when, one, (laughs) you tell people not to do things, they're going to be upset, right? Two, when you do that, you strike and affect yourself. What that means is the fact that you have drawn attention to it in the first place is going to compound that a million times over and it's a mistake and a misstep on the part of MLS to do that in the first place, to even have incidents like they had in Atlanta last weekend, right? Like if Mm -hmm. there was no misstep from MLS on making those equivalencies in the first place, those things don't happen in Atlanta. Now we can talk all day about the eyewitness accounts of folks having their banners taken and how they responded to that. Um, The team obviously thinks they were, uh, not cooperative with stadium staff. Uh, I hear different stories from the people who are there and not staff related. Uh, it, it's very unclear. It's very gray. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I think you have to lar- acknowledge the larger mistake made at the beginning of this to even to even start. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly right. I mean, like I uh, like you said, I don't want to even like I don't even feel like I can speak about what like what I what my take is on like whatever actually happened. You know, like in terms of the the banners being taken. So, I mean, cause I've, I mean, I saw the videos obviously and, and the, I've heard some of the accounts, what you reported Sam, but yeah, like there's different, there's conflicting stories and I just wasn't there. So I can't really, I, I feel like I can't speak about it, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, with regards to the way that MLS has addressed this, I think you're, you're totally right. That this is kind of been, I almost wonder if, so to give some context, I, I don't know if you touch on this, but like the reason that this happened in this game was because the NYCFC supporters section has there have been white nationalists coming into their supporter section. So there's been, you know, they've gotten some, you know, rightful kind of, uh, you know, criticism for that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, just to like to put a policy out there that says you can't do it. I, I told you, I, it kind of reminds me of when I was like in eighth grade and we were in PE and the teacher, it was just like a bunch of us boys who were, you know, just like wanting to cause trouble, just harmless trouble, but trouble nonetheless. And, you know, we just decided like whatever the PE teacher was going to do, we were just going to do the opposite. So the first day of class, he told us to do a sprint from one end of the gym down to the other that had a stage on it. And he said, whatever you do, don't jump on the stage. And of course, what do we do? We all run down, we all jump on the stage, dance around on it, um, trying to get a girlfriend in, in eighth grade. And so, um, you know, that kind of reminds me of this because like, you know, I read accounts saying that people were 
knew they were going to get the signs taken, but it was about making the statement. And I feel like the league kind of opened themselves up to that kind of harassment <laughs> in a sense mm-hmm. from, from fans trying to kind of make a mockery of, of the, of the policy. Exactly. There's, there's too much ambiguity to it. There's playing both sides, right? Um, right. Like discussions it, we had about like paid patriotism and things it, like that, where you are, have, you know, basically what are ad- amounts to advertisements uh, for, for military things, you know, be portrayed as these huge symbols of, of patriotism when in fact they're just big ads in Atlanta and Arthur Blank in particular is notorious for this. So when you see something at an MLS game like Atlanta United like that, you, you have kind of a, a watchful eye on that. And if you're going to make that distinction as political, it obviously be as non-political, right? Like it, it's going to become a gray area when you ban all things political. Yeah. And it, it, does the rule, the policy cover religious ground, like religious stuff? I can't remember. Um, I can't like, remember. I can John three sixteen like that. <laughs> like, are you are you allowed to do that? Are you are you allowed to have a poster that says John three sixteen? You know, it's like I don't know. It, it, there's not like you said. It's just it's too. There's too much ambiguity in it, and it just that's what makes for all this conflict. And, and that's where the statement from the MLS Players Association kind of comes in, and, and they did a pretty good job of, of kind of hitting it on the head, where they said this is too broad. This is unclear. And obviously it's affecting people. It's affecting our supporters who are a huge part of our ecosystem in MLS and a huge part of what we do. And when that happens, it's, it's obviously problematic and something needs to be done about it. Um, on top of that, to add a little bit of context as to the protest on, on Sunday in Atlanta. And again, this was a protest, right? This was just, they, they knew people are like, oh, well, if you break the rules, that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. They knew they were breaking the rules. That's how protests work. Um, and, and they kind of knew what was going to happen. The, the issue, I think, becomes a lot about the force that was used. And again, yeah. it's unclear the reaction to the initial confrontation, like between both sides. It, it's 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 yeah. great. The actual um, the, the action of the flags getting taken to me that is more like that's just an effect of the problem. You know, like that's just like the aftermath of what's going to happen when there's, you know ambiguity and about these situations like Mm -hmm. there's going to be you know people are going to be drunk from having tailgated and you know security officers i'm sure have to who have to deal with drunk people all day are not you know in the best mood and when you know that these things are just going to flare up because of what is the real systemic issue here exactly it starts with that first thing from the mls on top of that ambiguity you have this idea that banners and signs not allowed right but if you have it on a t-shirt if you have that iron front logo on a t-shirt in some places you're good in some places you're not why how the hell can you make that determination uh the answer is you can't right um so that's where the problems come in um and that's how you get things which uh, this was the other thing they were responding to in this protest which is kicked started this whole um hashtag united front thing across supporters groups is the the Proud Boys rally that happened before the Seattle game that led to a, a couple of, of violent confrontations between Proud Boys obviously looking to instigate and, and people just trying to march to the match. Um, it's, a, it's a big mess is what it is, and it's been a major failure on the part of MLS, in my opinion. Word. Word. Speaking of uh, things that <laughs> you should probably just not speak about if you don't have the correct information on. And sometimes it's okay to not have an opinion. 
like like Joe was saying earlier about not exactly having all the details down and not saying anything. That's a that's a big lesson for some people to learn and some people who are adults and some people who are coaching Atlanta United. <laughs> Man. I want to yeah. get Chris Furmeister on this podcast, by the way. I think that'd be great. I would love to do that and talk yeah. to him, especially about this uh, yep. and everything else that he's doing. He's doing a great job for Pro Soccer USA and for The Guardian, which is where this piece was published that obviously got picked up across many, many outlets. I yeah. Mean, I, I looked up it, at the doesn't gym. It feel, doesn't it feel surreal to you, like this whole story, because of our proximity to Chris? I don't it, like it was. Mm-hmm. It was wild last night, just like sitting next to him and in both like the press conference and at the press box, you know, and just like you can sense the tension that kind of <laughs> hovers like a cloud around him right now. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but not, not not for any fault of his own. You know, it's not mm-hmm. you know, like Frank DeBoer said the words, not Chris. So um, he did a great job reporting the story. But yeah, some. Uh, just wild, wild stuff. Well, what Frank DeBoer said. I think you. I think to me, just like, um, first, well, there, there's, there's lots of issues here. Um, the topic in general, equal pay, the way it's kind of packaged like that, again, is so broad sounding, and mm-hmm. the, and it's a, it's a very, it's a complex conversation that can't happen in sixty seconds or a soundbite. Uh, but of course, Frank mm-hmm. felt like he had to give his sound, his soundbite to 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 Chris. So he spoke about things that didn't make sense and were just, you know, a lot of people. The part that bothered me was actually the part where a lot of people were saying, like, look, he's totally right. Talking about the the um whatever relating the value to, of like marketing dollars, the, the revenue that you bring in to um you know, to how much you should be paid. And, but the part that bothered me was when he said a banker should get the same and then said, because they're only, and then it said pointing to head mentally, like, and then as, as if like physical work is different, that was weird to me. But I think that then again, that got conflated in, with some people as to say like female athletes, like, like NWSL players should be having the same contracts as like Premier League players. And, you know, that's not what this is about. In fact, the whole yeah. conversation was about the Dutch national team policy, right. which, just, which is where, where I think a lot of people missed uh, yeah. on every yeah. level. Even the people who are in like the Reddit comments being like, people only read the headlines and shit like that. They, they didn't read the actual article either. Um, because what, what it was in regards to, right, is this um, policy that, that the, uh, the Dutch Football Federation has enacted where the men's and women national team, um, the women are slowly being ramped up based on their pay percentage to, to being equal with the men's side. Um, and it's weird to me to not look at that and be like, oh, okay, this is, this is fine because this is going to help grow the women's side of the sport in my country. Um, instead, it seemed to be taken as like an affront to, to manhood. Yeah. Which is which is where my kind of biggest thing comes in, right? Like instead of seeing that as a qual as a positive progressive thing, he decided to make it some weird kind of statement on earning power when he one absolutely didn't have to. Yeah. Right. And was definitely talking from a place that didn't seem to have a whole lot of knowledge about it. Um and two is just kind of silly, right? Like, is it really a ridiculous issue, I guess. And, and obviously, Joe, what 
am I about to say? Hmm? What am I about to say about Frank? Oh, what is it? What does it mean when he says words? What does it mean when he says words? Um, we, the translations are weird for him sometimes and different things have different context. Fine. Right. But the, the obvious sentiment there was a, a distaste for that being a policy, um, which I think is, is an issue. It's not a malicious issue. I don't think, I just think he was uneducated on it. Yeah. Decided to talk, um, yeah, which is that's where I'm at too for Frank, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think he's a terrible person. Yeah. I don't know if he's really inherently like sexist or anything like that. I don't think this is necessarily a massive commentary on him as a person, um, but I think it is a larger statement about his ability to communicate and deal with the media and how he continues to fail at that in a large way. A hundred percent, a hundred million percent. I mean, we've seen similar, like we've seen communication breakdowns happen kind of in all areas with him, you know, Um, whether it's him kind of saying the fans are spoiled or (laughs) him saying, you know, certain players are danger to the team um, Mm -hmm. or even some tactical things that seem to have gotten lost in translation, according to like, you know, Leandro Gonzalez Perez and some of the other players, you know, talking to media speaking about this. So, yeah, I mean, it's something I think we've addressed on this show that we've, you know, he's just that that lacks with him, his communication skills, um, verbally, at least. So, yeah, and I'm 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 really glad you said that last thing at the end, because I, I totally agree with that. I don't think he's a bad person or anything. I just think that he is a proud guy and, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's going to want to give his opinion when he thinks he should be giving it. And I don't know if he has the best judgment as to whether he should be giving his opinion on something or not, at least publicly, you know whatever so um yeah you know he does it is what it is and then he'll like you know (laughs) even the apology he put out on his own twitter the first word was wrong (laughs) like come the hell on and then after the game he said something to the effect of yeah this was a real man's game or something yeah he said that i asked him it was like the first question the first question was actually having to do with like Alec Han or something. But like I, I asked kind of the first question about the team, you know, like just like about the game. And yeah, it was like that was the first words. That was the first part of his, his response. Right. And I think and he knew what he was doing. Me. Do you think he knew what he was doing? I think, he, I, I think it was cheeky. I think it was cheeky. Yeah, because I, I okay. think he believes what he said. Like, I still think he believes that. I sure. don't think he's I think he, he only apologized for the distraction it may have caused. Um, yeah, I agree. I still yeah, think he thinks he knows. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. We we are learning more and more that I think Frank might be Michael Scott when it comes to those kind of things, <laughs> um, which is a very startling realization. Um, and I think eventually, if there isn't a non-amicable end to this, that's what it will be from. Um, it's but, more, yeah, it's going to be more along the lines of something like this. Mm-hmm. And they're, they, it might just come to a head and they might be tired of it. Yeah. Um, and Frank might get tired of it too. You know, he might feel like this absolutely. is, this is crap. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have, of course, Darren going on the radio show and speaking out against it. Um, yeah, that's, and uh, that's, that's a huge, that was shocking. The yeah. President goes and says, we think he was wrong. Publicly distancing yourself wrong. from yeah. the comments of the coach is never where you want to be. Just no, ask not Urban Meyer. <laughs> Yikes. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get a vote of confidence on Frank any second now, but um, (laughs) 
Yeah, no, it's a mess. It took us um, 45 minutes to make our first college football reference, Sam. We're losing it. Oh, holy smokes. Wow. Oh, well, I, mean, we, I guess we didn't mention you're in, you were in the school, but anyway. No, that's not football. That's, that's, that's school. That's true. True. I came, to, I came to play school, Joe Patrick. I came to play school. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shoot. Well, that's some of our larger thoughts on it. Um, obviously, it, it's very nuanced and everything like that, and we tried to cover that as best we could. Um, obviously, lots of infighting this week and everything like that. Um, which can be taxing. Um, but I definitely think there are things worth fighting for, you know, and even though that there's many, many times where you kind of have to be brave when you don't want to about certain things and certain takes, I, I applaud the folks that are able to step up and do that. Um, and it's not going to be easy for a lot of these things, but I think a lot of people are fighting for the right things right now and for positive things. And, as long as you can keep your heart about you and keep doing good things, you should continue to do them. And thank you for doing them. Yeah. Cheers. Agree. Cheers. All right. I got to go to a meeting. Get all. all right. Let's get out of here. See ya. Bye all.